All right, we're gonna have a fun conversation today. What's the funnest video, funniest video you we've ever done in 20 years of TYT? Who's the most hated man in TYT history? These are fun questions. Well, the guy who wouldn't have the answers to that is J.R. Jackson. So he's been our senior producer for almost the entire 20 years that we've been on air. And now the new host and executive producer of the watch list. So that's our new show. It starts on Monday. January 24th at uh, noon Eastern and uh, 9 a.m. Pacific. And it is hosted by the one and only J.R. Jackson. J.R., how you doing, brother? Um, I, I, I was just mentioning just before we came on, I'm extraordinarily tired. This week was a long one. We did test shows. Um, the good news about that is, is every day of the test show got better. Is that, is that, that's how it's supposed to work, I think, right? Um. I hope so. <laughs> I guess. See, that's, I hate that. I, I never, guess. I never say that until I'm talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it gets into people's heads. Okay, so um, now I want to get to because the the show is partly about videos, right? So that's why yes. I want to talk about all the videos you've done in the last 18, 15 years, whatever. Well, we were radio before. We've been on. Um, Online doing videos since 05, so that's 17 years that you've been doing videos for TYT. But first, what's the watch list about? Uh, the watch list. Oh, so the watch list, we're going to be that morning show that gets y'all's blood pumping. Uh, we're going to get every video and actually analyze, break down, respond, react to every video that you're going to see during the day, to the news that happens. We're going to cover a broad, a broad swath. We did a little bit of sports this morning, but it wasn't like the X's and O's and the scores. It was what's happening within the sports world with people in it and how it affects the rest of society. No matter what we do, it's going to come back to how it affects us and how we are a part of it. But, you know, we're going to be driven politically, then go socially, go a little bit culturally, and last a little sportsly. Yeah, so whether it's uh, Ted Cruz doing something mm-hmm. absurd or Shaq talking about putting his hands on Kyrie Irving. Oh, it's just, it's, <laughs> no, there's, it's, it's, it's like it's environment, it's a rich environment full of information and things we can talk about. And we always know people aren't really connected until they see it happening. So um, we know why politicians avoid the camera or if they get in front of a camera, they don't say much because they know that we're going to find out and talk about it. I heard Mitch McConnell the other day after that uh, um, African Americans versus Americans comment. He hasn't come back to talk on camera because he knew we would talk about him on the watch list. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Look, it's the words on the street. There's nothing you can do about it. Uh, okay. <laughs> what can you do? So, JR, you know, there's an argument to be made that, that you helped to change uh, the political dynamics in the country. I, I know that's a giant statement. That's a, that's and, a uh, giant but, statement. Yeah. Oh, and so, you. Uh, were you 51% of the reason for the change? No, okay, <laughs> that you weren't 51%. But did you have one, uh, you know, some percentage uh, that you affected? I think so, and, and the reason why I say that is you, we started doing, and you were the ones doing the videos mm-hmm. of politicians says X, then politicians says Y. I mean, we started that before The Daily Show did, and we did it way more than they did. Now, you know, Daily Show barely does it, uh-huh. and, and now more people have picked it up online, but in the old days, I remember talking on the show and we'd say things you didn't used to be on tape. And so politicians could lie endlessly to one group, then another, and say one thing and another. And you started busting them on it. And and I think that it, it has made a difference. And so do you remember when we first started doing that? And were you surprised like, 
Well, wait a minute, that's the exact opposite of what he just said. <laughs> <laughs> well, that part wasn't surprising because we had been talking about, I mean, look, uh, we, we started going kind of crazy in, in around the Iraq war time, which is around the time that I kind of started, right? Um, so with the Bush yep. administration and Cheney and everyone, and it was, it started, really, it started with W, with W. Bush and his, uh, uh, he's talking about the terrorists overseas and watch this drive. See those kinds of videos that are now classics that turned into this soundboard sound bites. Every one of those came from the videos that we first played on the air that was fun. Uh, uh, what's, what's our man's name? Um, the, 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 who was the wild man who, uh, who saw Bigfoot? He had a uh, big, beautiful hair. Oh, yeah. That was a video. Epic Mountain Man. Epic Mountain Man. That was a video that originated here. Well, not originated, it was on CNN and uh, Gene Moose. But she cultivated those things, and we expanded and talked about, have you guys seen this? Because how many people really would have known about Epic Mountain Man if not for us playing it over and over and over and over again? So things like that. And then when you see it go down, um, like when W is, is trying to connect with people, and then he had so many Georgisms and how many bungles. We caught every one of those things. Because I came in as the sports guy, right? And next thing you know, I'm watching C-SPAN like it's ESPN. And no lie, my brother came over once. I was at home and he, I just let him in and the TV was still on. And he walks in and there's C-SPAN on. And he's looked at me like, who made the mistake of leaving this on C-SPAN and who are you? It's just so you watch it to the point where I need to break down an hour's worth of someone talking and, and meandering and lying many times and find something short and tight for people to see. And then after I watched an hour of it, I said, wait a second, 45 minutes ago, <laughs> he said something different. You start seeing yeah. it and you have to watch no, it. No, in a sense, in a sense, you almost became a lawyer there, making mm. your case, uh, but through yeah. the videos. Yeah. Uh, it, so, of of all the videos we've done, then, mm. um, do, does do any stand out as the funniest? Well, Epic Mountain Man was one of those. My um, the funniest to me was, and we we did this at the Sweet Sixteen show. It's it's still it still lives as far as far as I'm concerned. We chose one of the most memorable fun videos. Um, and this was a little bit of a, of a, a deep cut, I guess you could say. It was um, the lawyer that was punched out by his client in the courtroom. And then he appeared on like Good Morning America or Today Show, one of those. And for some reason decided to not wait until his eye didn't go, the swelling didn't go down and the black eye wasn't gone. And then so the anchor brought him in and we're expecting to see an attorney that's just, you know, probably talking about the situation. And they showed this guy get decked. About 16 times on replay. It was like a, what were those videos before TikTok and before everything? It was the, um, the, uh, Vine. the, what were they? Uh, World Star? Vine. Vines, Vines. It was like World a Vine video. Oh, remember Vine. Vine? Oh, yeah. Nobody remembers Vine. But they showed that, that, uh, that defendant punched this attorney about 12, I'm not exaggerating, about 12 times. And he said, and here's our friend. And then the reveal was just disastrous. Um, that was very, that was, that's a good one. I mean, we were belly laughing, crying over that one. And not because of his misfortune, but because of the way they presented him, you know? Yeah. No, and it, you're right, because the funny ones, look, uh, the Epic Mountain Man, like you said, originally was on CNN. So was the, uh, the story of the guy who was doing uh, gay conversion therapy, who oh. was clearly, obviously gay, right? Uh, but when you break down the video is when it gets fun, right? When you show the the conversion therapy dude hitting a pillow with the tennis racket going, mom, mom, <laughs> mom, why did you do this to me? Right? <laughs> like then you begin to get, oh, I see, there's where the psychosis is. And then you can, and yeah. the little funny things that people miss, like Epic Mountain Man, when he said about Bigfoot that he saw, 
under whatever situation he was in, right? He's like, he had beautiful hair. <laughs> Janine Moose did not point that part out. She just ran through the whole thing and talked about how he saw this. And Janine Moose has a humorous side to a lot of her, uh, a lot of the pieces that she would do. So those little aspects needed to be highlighted. And that's part of what we're going to be doing, by the way. It's not just running the video and analyzing. We're going to point out those things that people just maybe not have seen or maybe didn't notice that much. Because honestly, and I brought up Mitch McConnell from just like a day ago. Um, when I first heard it, I was like, what are you talking about? African-Americans don't have the, or they voted at this larger rate than everyone else or whatever the hell he said. And then I listened to it again. I said, wait a second. He separated African-Americans from Americans. So sometimes you miss those straightforward points that are right in front of your face because someone like Mitch McConnell will get on and be like, and most people tune it out. I, I didn't have that luxury working here. Yeah, well, that's true. Uh, but now everybody's, you know, uh, showing those viral videos, etc. Uh, that yeah. you probably you basically started that trend. So uh, to, I, I'm going to ask you about the most hated guy, uh, and I'm going to say one thing serious. But first, remember, everybody, watch list uh, starts on uh, January 24th, and so make sure you're subscribing at YouTube.com/slash/WatchlistTYT, and it's a 10-week test series. So. The more subscribers, more more viewers, it makes a big difference on whether we can make it permanent. Also, Facebook.com slash watchlist TYT. It's the same watchlist TYT in both URLs. All right. So look, Jared, the other thing is like there's the fun videos and then there's the serious uh, stuff. Now, in this case, it wasn't about videos, but I, one of the proudest moments I had at TYT was when uh, Benjamin Crump, uh, who was Trayvon Martin's family's lawyer, said, look, if it wasn't for TYT, I don't know that that story would have become national news and that we would have gotten at least an attempt at justice. And so finding those uh, videos, uh, and, and we started doing that way before it was hot, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, and I take a lot of pride in that, and I, and I imagine you do too. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, there's it's a visual. People, we're visual folks, and as we've ushered into this whole uh, this realm of social media, we're like quickly, like quick video folks. We have to see it, but we can't even like wait five minutes to watch something that's five minutes long. It's too long now. So it's like we need something quick and get to the point. And that's where a lot of times, and that's where it's tough to tighten up something like a politician talking on and on and on again, because they know they had this ability or at least this advantage of talking slowly, being boring, getting not really to the point. And then afterwards, most people tuning out and going, I don't care, it's boring, it's politics. And they move right along and steal right out from under you. So if you get a chance where we can crack it up and then people are seeing exactly what they're saying when they're saying it, then it gets more exciting. It's a faster pace. It's like a it's like a press conference with an athlete. They have to go in and out really fast. These 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 uh these politicians don't have to. They're just boring. Um, I did one today, uh, where we all know Joe Biden asked, "What are the Republicans for?" And he held his face really long. What are they for? And he held it a very long time. And Ron Johnson the next day said, "We're for nothing." But he took him like 30 seconds to say, uh, Americans to be Americans. But if you want to play both of those at two different points, if you, if you work as an accountant in, in Nebraska, you're not going to take the time to go do that. If you're busy, it's tax season. There's no way, right? So you need someone else to, to serve it up, show you what it is, because that's our job. I love it. It's good stuff. Well, that, that, that's why uh, the, the God created the watch list. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that's what the, the whole point of the watch list is easy to consume. We bring it together 
Uh, and then JR does that now. So, so but, but we promised it. So real quick, JR, before we go, mm -hmm. uh, out of all those videos, most hated man uh, that you covered in about 18 years of TY. It just seems almost too easy. You know, I'm trying to avoid the easiest answer, and everybody knows what that is. But it was always, you know, before previously, it was Dick Cheney, right? Um, who didn't really have to say much, who kind of did everything behind the scenes because he knew, don't talk. He knows that he's a... a, a He's a figure that not many people would relate to. Let's put it that way. He knows that. And that's probably his biggest strength is knowing that he needs to get away from the camera. He needs to get away from speaking so much because no one wants to hear it. Um, but then Donald Trump came along, you know? And when it comes to something like what I'm going to be doing, he loved getting in front of the camera. He was the opposite of Dick Cheney. All he could do was find the next camera to say something ridiculous, hateful, spiteful, uh, uh, just violent. He's riling people up from the moment he went down that escalator in 2015 and started his campaign. And he hasn't stopped to this day. I was going to say he didn't stop until he was defeated in 2020. No, he hasn't stopped to this day. And it continues on. And now he spawned a whole new, uh, a whole new field, a crop of people just like him. So, I mean, you know, the, yeah. the, 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 the environment is rich. <laughs> yeah, it's a crop of crap. And, yeah. uh, and, uh, and it, you're right. Now you've got the Karens and you've got mm -hmm. uh, the other politicians and all of them creating video after video. Well, good news, you're gonna be able to watch it on watch list and show how absurd it is. So everybody check it out. Uh, so it's at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. I have uh, the a watch list with uh, J.R. Jackson. I didn't mean to cut off your, your pitch. It's a watch list with J.R. Jackson. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to fill that in for you. But I was so excited to point out we have a very uh, special celebrity guest to start uh, the first episode on Monday, the 24th of January. His name is Jank Uger. And we're going to oh, talk. Damn. I mean, damn. I'm going to start strong to make sure you guys know that we mean business at the watch list. We're going to make this happen for real. That's right. It's going to be fire. Uh, everybody subscribe now. YouTube.com and Facebook.com slash watchlist TYT. All right. Absolutely. Jer, we'll see you there. Absolutely. We'll see you Monday, bro. All right. Back on the conversation. Look, most of us know that Joe Biden's presidency is already over. The question is, can it be resuscitated? Is there any hope uh, for Biden being able to pass anything going forward. Well, we're bringing, we're going to bring on Max Burns to talk about that. He's a columnist at the Daily Beast, and he's also a Democratic strategist and the founder of Third Degree Strategies. It's a progressive communications firm. All right, so Max, a uh, lot to talk about here. Uh, so first, uh, given that they lost the vote on the filibuster, um, is there any realistic hope that they could pass anything outside of the standard budgets and defense bills, et cetera, for the next three years. And if there isn't, does that mean the Biden presidency is over? Well, despite I think some of the optimistic messaging from Joe Biden that they're gonna keep on fighting. With the filibuster in place, there's just no way. It's an impossibility. And that's specific to things like voting rights, to things that voters actually want. If it's raising the debt ceiling, yeah, Joe Manchin will carve out the filibuster in a heartbeat. But for other more important issues, unfortunately, I think this is it. So I actually talk about that for a second. Um, are, are they going to make some like nonsensical exception uh, to raise the debt ceiling? Yeah, I think the history of the filibuster is essentially the history of nonsensical exceptions. I mean, Democrats carved it out in 2013 for executive branch nominees. Republicans carved it out in 2017 to push Neil Gorsuch onto the Supreme Court. 
Uh, we carved it out just a couple months ago to address the debt ceiling. And both Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema completely supported that approach. Uh, now it really is that the filibuster is whatever Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema want it to be. And unfortunately, that's not to help voters. Yeah, well, that's such a great point, Max. I have to confess, I forgot about that. And uh, and so that means it's there's no logical nexus to their votes at all. There's no defining principle. And part of the reason I forgot about it is because mainstream media will never hold them to account. They 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 never talk about the massive corporate donations they've taken, etc. But we've gone over that. So now let's focus on what can be done. So when you're talking about exceptions to the filibuster, there are a couple that have been mentioned that could make a difference for voting rights, for Build Back Better, and for actual bills that folks care about. So one is the democracy exception, and the other is a talking filibuster, which is not an exception. The talking filibuster is the filibuster. That's what it used to be, right? Exactly. And so, but first, before we get there, Max, they had a vote on ending the filibuster early on Wednesday, and they voted no, 52 to 48 with Manchin and Sidema crossing over. But what were they actually voting on? Was that killing the filibuster completely or no? Yeah, so despite Republican fearmongering about it, Chuck Schumer was never talking about killing the filibuster and going nuclear. This was a really specific exception to one specific bill, the Freedom to Vote John R. Lewis Voting Rights Act. And what it said was that all Republicans had to do was honor the initial filibuster, speak until they can't speak anymore. And then when they're tuckered out and they can't push it any further, Chuck Schumer would bring the vote up at a bare majority, 51 votes to pass, and pass the legislation through. This was not going to affect anything beyond this bill. And yet still, Democrats, Manchin and Cinema, if they can be called that, marched lockstep with Mitch McConnell to make sure that little bit of reform didn't happen. And how about the Freedom to Vote Act? If they had gotten past the John Lewis Act, would they have also tried to lift a filibuster for that bill? Yeah, what happened was Chuck Schumer and the Democratic Caucus merged the Freedom to Vote and the John Lewis Act together into one single bill to maximize the attempted passage. And it effectively restored pieces cut out by the Voting Rights Act by the Supreme Court. It restored election integrity, it ended gerrymandering. And the hope was that by giving Joe Manchin effectively everything he wanted, a lot of this was in his own bill. Maybe they could bring him over, but the money was just too good to do good by democracy. So they weren't trying to end the filibuster. They were trying to institute the old school filibuster, which is a talking filibuster, and and were basically using the democracy exception, and even that failed. Yeah, exactly right. And the okay. shocking thing is, if you look back, not that far in the past, a lot of senators would look at what Chuck Schumer was trying to do as completely unremarkable, as just the way the Senate worked. But now, even having to stand up and debate is beyond what Republicans and Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema want to do. And that's a really sad statement on where we are as a democracy. So we're gonna bring this back around to whether there's any hope. So, but before we get there, so the details of this are really important. So the exceptions are plentiful, but nonetheless, they will pretend that an exception is unprecedented and crazy, right? 
Um, but the talking filibuster, well, they can't pretend that that's crazy. That's, that's exactly what the filibuster was for a long, long time. Max, I have to confess, I've also lost track of when it became a non-talking filibuster, because I'm old enough to remember when they used to have to talk. So when did they make that rule change and say, ah, don't worry about it. You can just kill any bill you like and you don't have to uh, talk endlessly. So in 1975, the Senate essentially saw that nothing was getting done because you needed three quarters of the Senate to get through a filibuster. So they lowered the vote to 60. And then over the next 20 years, uh, there became this sort of tradition where merely threatening to hold a filibuster uh, carried enough weight that you didn't actually have to stand up and do it. If the majority leader or the, or the minority leader in this case said, our party's going to filibuster, uh, the majority would just take them at their word and not even bring the bill up to vote. Uh, now that's to the point where you can't bring the bill up to vote now. So there is no real mechanism to have that talking filibuster. If anything, Chuck Schumer was trying to bring the Senate back to a more traditional place. And you would think Republicans would love that. Yeah, well, of course, they don't care about principles at all. It, that, that is completely the fault of the mainstream media. Because they've been pretending this whole time that these politicians have principles. When it is counterfactual, it's absurd. Of course, they don't have principles. Then why do they make all the other exceptions? And if the filibuster is so important, why do they change it so they don't have to talk? The whole point of the filibuster was that you were supposed to talk and that yep. you showed passion like, oh no, I really, really don't want black people to have civil rights and I'm gonna keep talking about it until they don't, right? But now if you don't have to talk about it, then you can just block anything you want. So, but I'm gonna get back to the practical effects here. So, if is it in is it even in any rule? I know it's not in the Constitution. I know it's not in the law. But is it even in a Senate rule that they don't have to do a talking filibuster? Did that ever get codified? Or no? Nope. Is Schumer and the rest of them just saying, "Well, I respect that non-existent tradition." Yeah, this is another instance of the Senate having more faith in its its camaraderie and its friendship with the other side than it does in actually enforcing its own rules. I mean, the cloture rule is clear. You have to hold a filibuster and you, then you have to take the vote. The fact that we are not doing that is an abdication of why these senators were sent to Washington. So now here's another uh, absurd arcane uh, procedural issue here that's uh, becoming important. It looks like they have to filibuster, they have to break a filibuster before they even discuss an issue. But a filibuster doesn't even exist at that point. And then they have to break a filibuster at the end. What is that? Why is it at the beginning and then? Well, at this point now, we're just sort of making it up as we go that now you can filibuster both the motion to proceed and the vote itself, which has never been the case. Um, this is a completely invented rule that everyone has seemingly decided to go along with for the thought that they may someday need to use it themselves. And the end result is it just means nothing gets done and voters are left holding the bag. Max, do you happen to know when they started saying that you could filibuster a motion to proceed? I don't, that's very recent. I mean, that that is largely a product of the Obama administration. They had a record number of Republican filibusters there that were really just threatened filibusters over procedural motions. And Harry Reid, to his credit, 
said, we're not playing this game, cut the filibuster for executive nominations and got some work done. So if, but even in the case of motion to proceed, um, well, you'd still need cloture and in order to get that, you'd, you could see, still theoretically make them talk, couldn't you? You could and you should. And even if under the current cloture rules, which are a filibuster and then you still need 60 votes, uh, that's still preferable to make Republicans stand and defend why they're opposing this legislation. And that democracy exception is now showing to be more important than ever. A filibuster and a majority vote is the way that this was intended to operate and it's the way that it should operate. But wait a minute, it, so if you do a talking filibuster, the minute they stop talking, can't we pass it with 50 votes or do you still need 60 votes? Then, Because what would be the point of talking then? The current rules are somewhat vague. They call for a 60 vote cloture, which can be altered by altering the Senate rules. It's not a constitutional rule. And that's what Chuck Schumer was trying to do. That's what's happened in the past. But the rules as written no longer reflect reality in any way. And that's the real sticking point for this. This is insane. Okay, so now back to theoretical hope. Are there activists pushing for either a democracy exception or a talking filibuster? Have they picked one? Are they kind of pushing for both? Are they pushing in general against the filibuster? Like, is there a point, like a tip of the spear where people are leaning on it and going, okay, this we should insist that they do so that we have any hope of passing any of these bills? Yeah, the push now is clearly to kill the filibuster entirely, to invoke the nuclear option. And to Chuck Schumer's credit, when he started this, he had only 20 Democrats willing to say they supported that. Now we're at 48. And if the people act and vote and push this forward, we can end the filibuster in the next term. Yeah, there's no chance of that. The Democrats are gonna get killed. Um, they need it before the election. Um, so, all right, I, I hear you. Uh, in other words, no hope. Okay, I think that the, the my uh, guess as to the way we should go based on what you're saying, based on all the other reporting is, uh, all the activists should unite on a talking filibuster and say that is the actual filibuster. If you're gonna do it, do it. If you're not gonna do it, then you don't actually believe in Senate tradition. And it, we prove unquestionably that you are all full of crap. And by the way, if the reporters don't call you full of crap, they're not real reporters. Because a filibuster is when you talk, it's, it's not when you nod. That's the whole point of the filibuster. So stop lying. We should demand in mass that all of our politicians stop lying, both Republicans and Democrats. That would be an admirable start. <laughs> it would be an admirable start, right. All right, Max Burns from the Daily Beast. Thank you, brother, we appreciate it. Thank you.